The 348th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebound, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champion. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot, that's it, the Tar Heels are the national Champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would, I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys once again today. Here to get you ready for Carolina and NC State. That game will come your way on Saturday at 4 p.m. It'll be televised on ESPN as Carolina continues their march to an ACC regular season title and they will look for a season a regular season sweep of the Wolfpack. We'll do what we always do in a preview edition of the pod. We'll tell you everything about the opponent. Look at Carolina's perspective for the matchup. With this being the second game, we'll revisit the first uh, the first meeting between these two teams all the way back in early January. Give our keys to the game and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod as we always do. Pod thought of the day. We stick with Coach Smith, and his thought is, quote, a leader's job is to develop committed followers. Bad leaders destroy their followers' sense of commitment. And, you know, we, we've talked so much this year about the leadership that this team has. You look at the leadership Cormac Ryan has brought. It's been invaluable to this team. We've seen Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis take leadership roles, something that we never thought we'd, we'd maybe see from them during their time at Carolina. And I don't want to, I don't want to blame last year on Hubert Davis, but leadership and in, in, in college, it starts at the top. And we hear coaches say that player-led teams are the best teams because they they they're easy to hold their teammates more accountable. And they're they're true, and I think Carolina is a player-led team. But you got to have good leadership within your coaching staff, and Carolina has that this year for what for whatever reason. You know, Hubert just has the pulse of this team, and he has their attention of this team, and um, he's more comfortable being more critical of this team because he knows that this group's going to respond to it in a positive way because he knows the guys in the locker room, they're going to hold their team, their teammates accountable. And that's why 
for the most part, outside of the Clemson game, we, we haven't had to worry about is Carolina going to show up from an effort standpoint, something that the first two years we really had to worry most nights if Carolina was going to care. Um, and that's been very refreshing after three years of watching um, the team, for the most part, not care and go through the motions and lose uh, way more often than not. So um, there's your pod thought of the day. Let's go ahead and get right into the NC State preview. I got to be honest. I thought uh, part of that where you were going was you were going to talk about how great our leadership was, and then you were going to turn it and talk about how NC State fans think that they don't quite have the leadership as they melt down at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean. Which is is a big storyline coming into this game. I I think NC State fans just know and accept they have no leadership in their athletic department, and it's why their athletic department's Mm. been uh, rather underwhelming since the 1980s. Horse do. Um, I thought you thought I was going to turn it into the leadership here on the podcast and turn it all about myself. And this is something you'd be apt to do. You know, look, here I'm, we go. I'm not going to sit here and and say that I'm I'm not a great leader. But uh, you know, I've been the steadying force through some treacherous times. I kept us above water when okay, you know describe we describe treacherous times for the, well, for we, the program. We 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 lost our home. You know the 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 former podcast network dropped us. But I I kept the faith. I told you if you trust in me, something good will happen. And sure, I mean, not okay. even twenty four hours later, we okay. we landed at a new home, and okay, we've sure. experienced even more growth. Uh, since being dropped, and yep, that's um, that's true. That's true. You know, I, it's I, I can't confirm or deny, but I think I have a big reason as a part of that. You know, I credit uh, Colin Hoggard more for it. So, and look, Colin definitely deserves the praise, but um, I'm gonna praise myself because no one else will. And you know, I'm in need of a of an right, ego I'm boost. Still, uh, how, how many minutes are we into the podcast here? I'm still waiting for. Where I get mentioned here? Um, I mentioned that you were here to talk about in the NC State game. Okay. Well, and look, you, I, right. but you know what? I mean, we talked about bad leaders destroy their follower sense of commitment. There we go. I've developed a committed follower in you because you go wherever I take you, and you, 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 you follow right along. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, glad. Sure. I'm okay. glad to have you. Sure. Um, and I'm glad that you you never challenge my authority. Um, because I would hate I'd, I'd hate to see the end result if you if you ever challenged my authority. But um, oh, I'm tempted now. Let's get into NC State. Seventeen and eleven on the year, nine and eight in the league. Um, just a just a weird year for NC State. I, I think you know on on paper you got a winning record. You're above five hundred in the ACC. Those are good things, but. Kevin Keats was looking to build off of last year's tournament appearance and just a bunch of ups and downs. It's been a literal roller coaster for the Wolfpack. Then where they started four and one in league play, really looked like they had the the chances or three and one in league play. And really like they had the chances to to maybe be a legitimate contender. And what 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 we knew in January was a wide open ACC just hasn't been the case. Big reason why they're not good away from home. Most teams aren't. Um they are just four and five away from P and C arena. But they do have a quality win. They did win at Clemson, so they've gone on the road against uh, a, a, you know a top four opponent in the league and beaten them. But it ain't hard. It, it ain't as it ain't as hard to walk into Clemson and win as it is to walk into Chapel Hill and win. 
They have four players that average double-figure scoring, led by DJ Horn, who is maybe the best guard in the country that no one talks about. 17.5 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, 2.3 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 43% from three. If you guys can remember, I wrote about him on the blog last year as a, as a potential transfer target out of Arizona State that I thought um, Carolina should have been interested in, but not going to complain about Cormac Ryan and, 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 and Elliot Cadeau being the guys that Carolina added to the roster. Jaden Taylor, third, or second on the team in scoring at 11.8 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists. He shoots 40% from the field. 33% from three, D.J. Burns Jr. He also averages 11.8 points per game, four rebounds, 2.6 assists, shooting 50% from the field. And then Casey Morsell, 11.6 points, 2.9 rebounds, 1.9 assists, shooting 42% from the field, 29% from three. By the way, isn't D.J. Burns Jr., wouldn't that be redundant because his name is D.J., which means whatever his first name is, and then Junior? I don't know. Okay. So um, check. You know, State, State's coming off a, a bad loss, and I think it could qualify as a bad loss at Florida State yes. earlier in the yes. week. they let up 90 points, yes. Um, and it's just been just been a weird year. And look, if you guys listen to us and have listened to us, you know how we, we feel about NC State as, a, as an entity. Don't like them. Um, think they're below us, which they are. Um, although, thank you for my my crops. Get ready for harvest in the fall. I've always said that I I I uh, I want them to be good because I think it's good yeah. for the league. Yeah, I could do with that. Um, I I think you know as a kid that grew up loving Carolina basketball but fell in love with the ACC that was reading books left and right. There was a lot of history and tradition in NC State being good. And a lot of history and tradition of Carolina beating NC State when NC State's good. And I've always said it's it's fun beating State when they're bad. It's even more fun when you beat them when 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 they are good or they think they're good. And this year's team has had the capability to be good. The opportunity has been there because you're talking about a season where Miami isn't good, Virginia's been vulnerable, um, Pittsburgh didn't build off of what they did last year. Like the middle was there for NC State to maybe rise above it and put themselves in the conversation to be a top five team in the league, and instead they find themselves barely, barely above five hundred and on the outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. Well, that's that's an understatement. I mean, I've seen that some people still want to try to keep the hope alive. I think after last night, it's completely dead. This team, I really don't think there's much uh, of any chance. I mean, they would need to probably win the ACC tournament to get in. Um. So yeah, I I mean I, I there you're right. They're a weird team because with with Kevin Keats, I always thought that Kevin Keats was one of those guys that was waiting for one of those bigger jobs. And when he got to care, or when he got to NC State, excuse me, um, that eventually it would click. But we just haven't seen it. Now to me, look, I don't really care. I gotta be honest. I don't care if this team ever wins another game in the history of their basketball program. I'm like Roy Williams. I hate them. I hate them with everything in my being. Uh, and the fact that they are terrible at certain times is great to me. It makes me laugh. So 
I, I don't really care, but you're right. I, I think earlier this season it was fun when you got to go there. They thought that they were a really good team. There were people in the NC State fan base that wanted to tell us on the radio shows that were on in the morning that this was a team that uh, was fraudulent, Carolina was, and that they had the better team. And Carolina quickly put that to rest. And for NC State, it's kind of been up and down since. You mentioned they got the win over Clemson. That was a game at the time where when they won that game, you thought, okay, enough things break right here. They might have a shot to get themselves in the NCAA tournament. Take a lot, but they might have a shot. Now, it's just not going to happen because, yeah, they are they are not a good team defensively. They just aren't. I, I mean, you look at the stats. I mean, 72 points per game, which is 191st in the country, which is, is not good. Um, it's not god-awful, but you score 76.2 per game, which is outside of the top 100. So they're not a team that defends at a high level. They're not a team that scores at a high level, and it's why they are exactly where they're at. They're, they're an average team in the ACC, and it's why Carolina can have some success. And the thing that's scary about them, you talked about it, DJ Horn, a guy that can create his own shot. Jaden Taylor, their second-leading scorer, a guy that at times can create his own shot. That's what Carolina has to be wary of. But the good news is they faced this team before earlier this year. I thought they did a good job of taking the guards out of that game. That needs to be the game plan again in this one for Carolina. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for NC State, and look, I think Keats has done a good job. He's got in quality transfers, and you know he's going he's gonna to post another winning season. He just hasn't adapted to the way that you got to play at the ACC level. Um, and you, you you don't you don't coach the way the full court press the way that Bob Huggins coached it when he was at West Virginia and he built West Virginia into a perennial power. I think that's where NC State fans can be the most frustrated is that their coach, who I I think at his core Kevin Keach is a good basketball coach, just hasn't made the right adjustments to put his team his program in the position to be contending year in year out. You look at this game from Carolina's perspective, 22 and 6 on the year, 14 and 3 in the league, and they're ninth in the AP poll, ninth in Ken Palm and ninth in the net. Still in the hunt to maybe get that last one seed if they finish the regular season strong and Arizona gifts them a loss or two. At home, Carolina is 12 and 1, the lone loss at home to Clemson, but they average 88 points per game in the Smith Center like NC State. Carolina has four players that average double-figure scoring, led by ACC Player of the Year frontrunner and All-American candidate R.J. Davis, 21.7 points, 3.7 rebounds, 3.4 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 41% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring, 14.1 points, 10.5 rebounds. He's shooting 56% from the field. Harrison Ingram, 12.2 points, 9.2 rebounds, 2.2 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 40% from three. And then Cormac Ryan, uh, the last on the, the the last double figure score for Carolina, 10.9 points, 2.9 rebounds, 1.4 assists, shooting 36% from the field, 32% from three. And Carolina averages uh, 41 rebounds per game, 
the eighth highest mark in college basketball. Well, we've set the scene for Carolina NC State round two, but coming up next, we'll revisit the first matchup between the Heels and the Wolfpack. We'll talk about which version of Carolina should we expect to get in this game before we give our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But first, we've got to get you a word from one of our partners. Hey there, Josh here for the Autograph Fandom app. Want to get rewarded for listening to our show? The team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it today for free using the referral code HEELTOUGH. Link and code are also in our podcast description. Welcome back inside here, the Four Corners Podcast, getting you ready for the second matchup against NC State. But before we do that, we got to look back at the first matchup. It was a 67-54 win for the Heels. As Carolina then improved to 12-3 in the league, 4-0 in the ACC. And, um, you know, Carolina won that game 67-54. It was right at the start of them really becoming the elite defensive team we 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 know we we known them to be the majority of the year. I mean, state shot twenty seven percent from the field, twenty percent from behind the three point line. I mean, Carolina pummeled them on the glass forty nine forty one. Um, it wasn't pretty. It was an ugly win, but it was the type of win that that Carolina was able to register. And and it was another sign that this team was just different because these types of games, the last couple of years, Carolina hasn't won. Um, and it was another sign that this team to go on the road in that environment and come away with a win was was a team that was worth getting excited about. Harrison Ingram had 19 rebounds in this game. It was uh, it was really the first sign that Ingram was going to become an elite rebounder, and now he averages 9.2 rebounds per contest. And so, um, look, State will want to play a cleaner game offensively, um, and Carolina is trying to get back to playing defense the way they did back in that first matchup. Um, But I still think a lot of what you saw from a game plan-wise will be the game plan for both teams. They're going to want to get D.J. Burns involved. Carolina's going to want to attack him through Armando Baycott, who will look to bounce back after uh, a a less-than-stellar performance earlier this week in the home win against Miami. But, you know, something we got to talk about, and and I I put it in the preview when I look at Carolina, is Carolina's a much different team at home than they've been on the road. And that's been true for virtually every team in the country, unless you're probably UConn and Houston. For the most part, every team, when they've left their home gym, they've struggled in one way or another. Carolina is 12-1. They're averaging 88.4 points per game. But they've had some games at home where they haven't played great. The Miami game comes to mind on, on on Monday where it was not a great performance. You've got the home loss to Clemson, and then you've got the game against Louisville where, where Carolina kind of sleptwalked their way through that game. It was a five-point game at the under-eight mark in the second half. Carolina goes on to win 
by double digits. So is that the Carolina that we get at home? Or do we get the Carolina at home that, you know, scored 93 against Duke, scored 96 against Virginia Tech, scored 103 against Syracuse? Like, do we get explosive, efficient Carolina, or do we get middle of the road, less than you know, less than impressive Carolina at home on Saturday? Well, I will say that the performance that Carolina put on on Monday night would probably have you believe that they will shoot the ball rather well in this game because, as we mentioned, outside of R.J. Davis. Nobody else really had a good shooting night. I mean, I guess Armando Baycott didn't shoot the ball poorly, but pretty much everybody else struggled from the field. So this is a chance for everybody to sort of bounce back. Can Cormac Ryan get back in a groove? Because before that game the other night, he had been playing incredibly well for you. He was really the reason that you won the game against Virginia because if he doesn't put up the first half that he puts up, who knows where that game would have been at can Harrison Ingram bounce back this was a game that as you mentioned he played really well in in the in the first part of the season and I think you know for Harrison Ingram it has to start clicking that he has to be impactful on the offensive end and I mean look he took 13 shots the other night but Carolina really needs some of these shots to start falling like yes Cormac Ryan was a big key people were harping on him because he wasn't shooting well especially from the outside But you also need Harrison Ingram to start being involved offensively the way that he was in that early part of conference play. And yeah, this should be a game where you can put that ball inside to Armando Baycott and he can go blow for blow with DJ Burns. Because DJ Burns, we talked about in the first matchup, he was going to wear down in game. Now you're talking about getting him at the end of the season, a season that's not going their way, and a lot of people have pointed out as the season has gone along, he has taken a severe step back this year from what he was a year ago. So Carolina needs to attack him and go after him. And I think it's a, there's a good chance that because of the way that they played on Monday night, this group will be motivated to respond to that. The question is, you know, will they be able to provide enough around R.J. Davis to do it? I mean, look, it's 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 a, it's a small sample size because Schubert's only in his third year as Carolina's head coach. At home in this matchup, Carolina has played and played at a high level. They scored, um, you know, it was 100 the first time that they played them. Um, and then you look back last year, that was the, the game where, of course, Traquavion Smith – got fouled and had to get stretchered off the basketball court but was later seen partying eight hours later. But that was a game where Carolina lived at the foul line. Um, And and they were also very efficient and scored a lot of points in that one. And so kind of like Roy Williams, um, you know, for Hubert. Now, Hubert played at Carolina when the the, the rivalry with Duke was really at its pinnacle and had emerged as the best rivalry in all sports. So Hubert probably has a little bit more disdain for for Duke than, than Roy Williams did, but he also hates NC State, and he wants to get his guys ready to go play at a high level. And it's also just important, man. Like when you when you take the court on Saturday, the calendar is going to say March second, um, and this is the time of year mm-hmm. where you want to be playing and starting to be and start and start playing your best basketball. What you did on Monday night was not your best basketball, um, and that's the type of that that was a losing product that you dis, that you displayed on Monday. You just were able to beat a bad team at home. State's better than Miami. Um and if you played the the way you did on Monday night, 
this team is this team is capable of coming into your building um, and beating you, and we certainly don't want that to happen. With that, we'll get into our keys to the game. Um, the first key for me is contain DJ Horn because the man the man is a one. You know, he he can do special things, and he can do things for them like R.J. Davis does for Carolina. He can will them to victories, and he can put them in in, in, in spots to win games. You go back to a game against uh, Wake Forest earlier this year, I mean, he and Hunter Salas and Boopy Miller, I mean, he was matching every one of Wake's guys bucket for bucket. Um, he, he's he's not fearful. Um, he's a veteran guy. He's He's been around the block. Um, this is his lone season back home in Raleigh playing for NC State. I don't know if he grew up a Carolina fan, but you would imagine that either he did or even if he didn't, this game is going to mean something to him. Um, he lost you know, the home game. He'd like to be able to go on the road and say he beat Carolina at least once in his career. And Carolina's defense on Monday against Bensley uh, against uh, jo- uh, Joseph wasn't where it needed to be. It needed to be better. And, yes, some of it was he made shots. Some of it was he dribbled into comfortable shots and made them. Um, Carolina's got to defend Horn the way they defended Virginia last week where they were virtually in their hip pocket, contested every shot, made it hard to get to the driving lane, and when they did, they contested uh, those shots because if not, if you allow D.J. Horn to get comfortable, get confident, and get in rhythm – He's the type of guy that can have a career game and could will his team to an upset. Yeah, look, there was a stretch in the middle of conference play of six games where he scored at least 24 points or more. During that stretch, he averaged 27.5 per game and shot 51% from the field. So this dude, you're talking about doing everything for his team. This guy is capable of that. And you brought up the motivation of him being an in-state guy. The other part of the motivation is that the first matchup, he was horrible. He shot 2 of 16 from the field in the first game. Scored six points, but you saw how complete of a player he can be. He had six points, but he had nine rebounds and four assists. So Carolina's got to be ready. This kid's going to be motivated, and this is their most dangerous player. You mentioned, I mean, Bensley Joseph is a guy that you know, he put up his career high the other night. This is a look, he could end up being a really good player next year. Could be a guy that maybe factors in in the preseason second team. DJ Horn is a guy that, if he was coming back next year, there is a good chance that if RJ Davis was not in this conference, he could be either the favorite or just behind Hunter Salas to be the, the ACC player of the year. This is how good this guy is. And one of the things that has scared us a little bit here recently are guards that can create their own shots because we saw it against Syracuse. We saw it against Miami in the first matchup with Nigel Pack. And even to a certain extent the other night with Bensley Joseph, he did a good job of creating his own shot as well. Carolina's got to find a way to stay in front of him, not let him get to his spots, and force him to have another off night. Because if he has an off night, they do not have enough help around him to be able to score the way they are going to have to to keep up with Carolina in the Smith Center. Second key is always a key against the Wolfpack because of the way they're going to full-court press, three-quarter press, half-court trap, and then the way they'll just double-team you in the half-court, you got to limit your turnovers. 
Um, especially you got to limit live ball turnover, something that killed Carolina the other night. 12 miscues led to 21 uh, points for for Miami. And that was a big reason why they were in the game was because every time they turned Carolina over, they ran it down the other end and got a bucket or got a foul. Like something positive happened. Um, And with the way Carolina has struggled with full-court pressure, Expect to see more of that in this game and in every game moving forward because it's something that Carolina uh, just hasn't handled hasn't handled very well. And you know, State's the type of team that they want their defense to to lead to their offense. They want to force turnovers, get out in transition, get easy get easy buckets, and get to the foul line. And when they're playing their brand of basketball, they're able to do that. And that's when they're able to play at a high level on that end of the floor. If not, if you if you limit your turnovers, I mean, Florida State scored 90 on this team. So if Carolina protects the basketball, Carolina's got more offensive firepower than Florida State has. Carolina can put up 90, 95, maybe 100 points uh, in this ball game. And so, um, you know, I, I think I think for Carolina, if they can just limit their mistakes and play the way that they want to play and dictate the tempo. I don't see State's defense in the half court being able to hold up over the course of 40 minutes just because they don't have uh, the, the bodies. And, and, you know, DJ Burns is a guy that's going to be worn out by the under-16 timeout in the first half. So if, if Carolina can limit their mistakes, I don't see uh, a way for NC State to defensively impact the game in a positive way. Yeah, and it's it's easier said than done right now because, yeah, as the season has gone along, We've seen this team start to turn the ball over more. Uh, it's going to be important for that backcourt as a whole to really just recover, um, and they got to be smart with their w- with the ball. Um, you you got to know if you're going into certain spaces. I mean, a lot of times we saw them dribble into double teams. It's created um, guys that just get their hands in there and force the ball loose. But the scarier part is the fact that the other night they basically could not get entry passes inside to Armando Baycott, which is very reminiscent of what we saw at times in the last few years where Carolina just could not find their guys inside when they needed to. So, uh, look, I I think that this is an area that Carolina can clean up, um, but, I I mean, it it, it has to be a focus of this team because the other night... Everybody in the starting lineup turned it over at least once, and everybody but Baycott turned it over at least twice. So it's your main guys that are turning the basketball over. If you can clean that up and be polished, the biggest thing too is you turned it over thirteen times in this first in, in the first matchup. So if you're trying to get the ball inside, and you know if, if it's there, and for some reason you turn it over a couple of times. Nobody's going to be that mad with you. But the biggest thing is, if you're going to turn the ball over, then you better be hustling back because, yeah, you turned it over 13 times in the first matchup. You only allowed eight points off of those turnovers. So that needs to be one of the focuses for Carolina. But, yeah, if they can limit this to single-digit turnovers in this game, I got a good feeling that Carolina will be able to put together that type of offensive performance that you talked about and pull away from this NC State team. Last thing we got to talk about, and this is really a direct reflection of what happened on on Monday, Carolina's got to defend the three-point line. Um, and I don't know if State is as proficient as Miami was from deep, but you know Miami entered shooting thirty seven percent from three and went fourteen of thirty shot forty seven percent, and fourteen threes is is 
It's hard to. It's about it, ten too many. Yeah, it's 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 it's. It's hard to win when you're giving up, you know, 42 points from behind the three-point line. You look at Horn, he's a 43% shooter. Taylor's a 33% shooter. And Casey Morsell's a 29% shooter. Those are their three of their, their four double-digit leading guys. Burns is not a threat from behind the three-point line. Um, so, look, those numbers aren't aren't sexy, but, you know, you got Horn, who's a 43% shooter, so kind of tying in with you got to contain him. You don't want to let him get cooking, but... You know, Marcel. Marcel's a good shooter, despite what the number would suggest. Yes. Jaden Taylor's a good shooter, despite what the number should suggest. The last thing you want to do is allow those guys to get comfortable. That's what happened on Monday. Miami got comfortable. They were able to, you know, take shots and rhythm. They got confidence, and, and and shooting is too good now to where, like, once you make one or two, it's easy for guys at this level to get hot and, and go on and make, you know, three to four threes in the ball game, and so um, I was really disappointed with the way Carolina defended the, the arc after the way they did so against Virginia on Saturday, where Virginia was 2 of 14 and Carolina was just suffocating on the perimeter. Carolina's got to get back to that. got to make sure they're, they're going over ball screens, they're hedging when they need to to take away cleaner looks when, when you know from the outside. Communicating at a high level, especially but on switches. The most important thing is you got to contest shots. The other night, Carolina very rarely had a hand up, and they just weren't contesting it. Look, if you got your hand up and they're knocking threes in your face, I'm, I'm not going to complain because that's just good offense beating good defense. That's that's the nature of the game. But when you're not getting a hand up and they're just simply rising above you and knocking it down, and I'm gonna get irritated. And I'm coming here. and I'm gonna yell. Well, especially because you got to contest because you it's, the guards do because you're you're smaller like. That they're going to shoot over you at times, but you have to at least give them something to shoot over. Like that that's the one thing that you're asking from these guys is hey, we know there are times, especially you go back to that Syracuse game, that was part of the problem. They got bigger guards that can simply shoot over you. But you need to you need to be able to contest because the other night, I mean, Bensley Joseph isn't the biggest guard in the world, but there were times where he was just taking open shots because there were guys that were just standing there watching them. So, yeah, that needs that needs to be a focus. Uh, NC State, not as good of a three-point shooting team as Miami. They come in shooting 34.1%, which is 177th in the country. So, like middle of the pack. But you mentioned it. Horn, a guy that shoots over uh, right at 43%. That's incredibly dangerous. The other guys, Jaden Taylor, I mean, 32%'s not great, but it's not bad. And Morcell, the thing, we know Morcell. We've seen him for a couple of years now. We know that even though that number is down there, it's very similar to Cormac Ryan. That number may be a little bit misleading because when he gets hot, he can knock down shots from the outside. So Carolina's got to be prepared for that. Also, don't sleep on Muhammad uh, Diara, who they play a lot more now. DJ Burns. He just doesn't have the stamina to stay out there. Diara has started progressing as the season has gone along. He averages about 1.3 per game, which is very similar to the number that we saw from Norchad O'Meara. And it felt like Carolina was a little bit surprised when he was standing out there taking threes. So they need to be prepared for that. Armando Baycott, if he's going to be on him, Jalen Washington, you got to know that you have to contest those shots from the outside. You can't just say, hey, it's big man shooting. Let's see what happens. 
it, it, hopefully it's not going to fall. There needs to be uh, more contest on the outside. But yeah, to me, the biggest thing also is that communication. Hubert Davis talked about it the other day in the game against Virginia. And you go back to the game against NC State the first time. Carolina held them to 10% shooting from beyond the arc in that game. I'm not saying you have to put together that type of defensive performance again, but this needs to be a concerted effort to make them have to score the ball inside. DJ Burns, we've seen at times he's capable of making tough shots, but who else on this team is actually capable of beating you inside? DJ Horn maybe driving to the basket or you know stepping in, creating some space and knocking down shots. But the other guys, I don't know if there really are that many guys that can beat you there. I think that's where you want to take your chances because look at how well Carolina defended inside the arc the other night against Miami. If you take away the three-point shot, Carolina was defending at about as good of a level as they have all season. Their, Their hands were active. They were contesting everything inside with the big men. But that's the key is you have to get the guys to go in there if you actually want to be able to contest those types of shots, because the other night, the three-point line was where uh, that Miami team lived. I think Carolina will learn from what they had, what they did the other night, and I think this uh, will be something that Hubert Davis will be harping on them all game about, so it'll be interesting to see. Carolina enters with an 89.7% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's analytics, who wins the game and why. I mean, come on. like Again, this is one of those teams that you're never going to pick uh, it, it pick that team against Carolina, but I look, they're going to be committed to this game, even though their season is pretty much over. Some of their other games down the stretch of the year, you might question this game, they'll be locked in and ready to go. I think Carolina's just a more talented team. Um, I think, you know, Armando Baycott, this is one of those games, didn't have a great performance the other night against Miami. This is a game where it feels like he'll be able to respond against the slower DJ Burns inside, eventually Muhammad Diario when they end up having to put him in. I feel like you could you, you should expect a big game from him. And like I said, I think the team as a whole will bounce back. I think you'll see an efficient night offensively because everybody was struggling the other night from the field. I think the other night was one down night. From Cormac Ryan, I think he'll heat back up a little bit from beyond the arc. And I think R.J. Davis will also be able to carry it over. But I also think this team will be committed defensively to trying to take away that three-point line. Like I said, make this team drive inside and beat you because right now you're back to protecting the rim like you were early on in conference play. That's what I love to see the most from this team. Defensively, they're capable of doing it. But when you're standing out there taking threes all night, it's hard for your big men to really have that big of an effect on that end of the floor. Uh, I, I just uh, t- there, there's too much here for Carolina, especially at home. I, I think they win this game. Uh, it'll probably be a little bit closer than people expect because I just don't. I, I got to see it before I can believe it that Carolina can close these types of teams out and really run away from them. But I think Carolina will win somewhere between uh, six and and eight points. Yeah, I. I think Carolina wins, I, and I, I think they bounce back in a big way. Um, I would hate to know what practice was like on Wednesday because Hubert Davis, that's the first thing he said in his press conference and his, uh, when, he, when he spoke with Jones Angel after the game was he couldn't wait to get to practice with the team. Um, and I think this team's going to be looking to respond and, and play a better team brand of basketball, a more winning brand of basketball, because I think they know deep down, as fun as it was watching R.J., 
put up those numbers, and it'll be fun to see how he follows that game. But um, it also was a big reason why Carolina almost lost because they got caught up in the moment. I don't think they they don't think this is going to happen. I think they understand what's at stake, what's on the line. You win this game, you're one step closer to an ACC regular season title, um, and that's one of the goals for this team and this team and, and the team every year. And so. I think Carolina bounces back in a big way. I think they get a comfortable win at home over NC State. Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where you can go back and read about the Miami game if you want to. But I'll have you ready with the preview of the game. It'll be live no later than than Saturday morning um, as I continue to take you through the basketball season. Big week for a bunch of former Tar Heels looking to make their mark in the NFL. It's the Combine up in Indianapolis. Drake May not throwing, but still a big week for him with the interviews. But some other guys like Cedric Gray, this is going to be a big week for them. Anthony has you covered on the combine front um, as we get closer and closer to the draft. And spring ball, believe it or not, is right around the corner. Simply put, make sure you check the website, HeelToughBlog.com, every single day for the latest Carolina basketball Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. There we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the season. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels and go to Hell State. Get any sweeter than that!